Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers and orcs, to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is the Valley of Green Gold, Episode 2. Hey, I'm Jason Stevens, and I'm the Game Master for the Valley of Green Gold. We have a brand new monthly live stream adventure. We'll tell you about that at the end of this episode, and we'll tell you how you can get some cool rewards while also supporting this show, Rated RPG. In episode one of the Valley of Green Gold, we met Aaron Yanda's character, Wendell. Wendell is a wombat folk, and on his third birthday, he wakes to find that his mother has died. This coming only a couple of days after his father died suddenly. Wendell, mortified by these stark reminders of the short lifespans of wombat folk, makes a solemn oath to his beloved mother, Wendy, to dedicate his life to learning the secrets of mortality and using that knowledge so that he and all wombat folk can live long enough to achieve greatness. And that very night, deep in his burrow, Wendell hatched a plan. What did he do, Aaron? I gathered up as many wombat bodies as I could and began the process of learning. And you started off really strong. You figured out how wombat folk poop cubes, and you figured out that your bodies are delicate. You don't live very long. Wombat folk, in their small society, they generally only live to about 20 years of age, uh, kind of at the most. Maybe the venerable wombat folk might get up to about 25, but that's it. And here you are on your third birthday. In the weeks after your third birthday, you're learning more than probably any other wombat folk in history of your culture has ever learned about the life and death of wombat folk. Have I figured out how to do gene therapy yet? Uh, no. CRISPR is just outside of your grasp. Mm, damn it. It's about three weeks now after you've begun your research, and you realize two things. First of all, as good as you were at first at finding out information of a medical nature, it's not really your thing. You're not really a doctor. It's not where your passion lies. You want more. You need something else. Something's missing from this equation. You can't bring a dead body back to life with medicine. There has to be something else. There must be more to this, and I can't learn it here. I think this village does not contain the information I need. Although I've never checked out those stands where they sell things to the bipeds. Hmm. Give me a perception check. 19. You hear digging, and it's getting closer. You hear voices, and then you hear the digging in the tunnel, scraping the back of that cabinet that you placed against your burrow entrance. What do you do? Yeah, I just rush into the other room. Does it sound like someone's coming in? Yes, somebody is going to be coming in. They're going to be breaching the kitchen any second. I push against the cabinet to stop them from coming in, and I say, Hello? Can I help you? What do you want? Who is it? Uh, it's Woodrow, you little weirdo. What are you doing in there? I'm just living my life in peace and harmony. What do you want? Why are you... If you want to talk to me, I'll come outside. Uh, no, it's too late for that, Wendell. Uh, they're coming in the back way. What, what do you mean, they're coming in the back way? What, who are you talking about? You hear in the back of your burrow, where you have all of the tunnels that lead you to the fertile place, you hear digging and you hear voices. And you hear one voice say, We've done it! We've breached his burrow! I immediately run into the other room and grab the box with my mother in it. Give me an athletics check. 21. In a moment of sheer adrenaline, you are able to pick up this box in your arms. It's very heavy. Your mother was a portly wombat folk. And you heave it up over your shoulder. What do you do then? I run down one of my tunnels uh, where I can't hear the um, other invaders. And I begin digging. And I'm digging and pushing the box and digging and then pushing the box and then trying to cover up behind me and gradually get back, get up to the surface. All right, you dig as fast as you can. You're pushing the box. Uh, you take a level of exhaustion as behind you, you're hearing shouting, more digging. The tunnel sort of collapses behind you because it's a fresh tunnel and you're digging very fast. How can I tell how close they are? Well, they'll probably catch you eventually. I decide that I'm going to have to leave 
the box behind me. I use it to block up my tunnel. And I try to dig faster to escape to above ground. Without dragging and pushing your mother's box with her body in it, you're able to dig upward and out into the outside world. And you find that you're not far from these shacks alongside the road. Is there anybody by the shacks? You see an elderly wombat folk gentleman, and he is speaking to the most hideous creature you have ever witnessed. Ew, horrible. What is that thing? Spindly and thin and tall, stretched as it were, to the point of being grotesque. Ugh, does it even have a pouch? The creature's head is perched upon a thin neck, its face bony and pinched. Ugh. A long, stringy mop of yellowish hair cascades down upon its shoulders, and it appears to be wearing the skins of another animal stitched together to form some kind of macabre armor. I can't help but be curious, so I think I'm gonna approach. <laughs> it looks like she's it looks like she's carrying on some sort of a um, transaction. Both of them see you coming. You're covered with dirt. You've you seem a little panicked and there is hubbub on the hillside far behind you as the wombats are starting to come out of their burrows as word is spreading of some horrible thing that is happening in the community. You run down to the shacks and the elder wombat, you recognize him. His name is Wa Wa uh, Wa uh, Wa. His name is Wa. <laughs> His name is Wa, and he says, well, "What are you doing down here, young fella?" Oh, um, I uh was just taking a walk. Uh, beautiful day, isn't it? Hello, um. What are you? I, I'm a village elder. You should be more respectful. And he he has this cane or a staff that has like a strip of leather on top of it and looks really well worn. He points it at you and shakes it at you. You should be more respectful. Um, I wasn't talking to you, old wombat. What are you, like 28? <laughs> wow, uh. I was talking to her. Whatever she is. She looks at him and looks at you, and she kind of chuckles a little bit at this interaction. And then this older wombat, his all of the fur around his face is like white and sort of patchy falling out. So you can see the skin underneath the hair, and you see his skin getting really red. He's getting really angry. And he says, why I ought to... Uh, uh, and he grabs a little, uh, little walnut off of the table in front of him. He has a stack of walnuts that they're selling. And he puts one in this little leather strap on his staff. And he, his arm is wobbling as he hoists it up. And he tries to spin it around to, to do something. And then he falls over dead. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I knew he was old. Apparently, he was at that point. Wow, what a shame. And this young woman, she is, her mouth is wide open. She doesn't know what to make of this. She goes, oh, oh my, he just fell over. Uh, help him. Oh, there's nothing that can be done for him. He was probably 28 years old. Sorry, wombats, we just don't have uh, much of a lifespan, I'm afraid. You hear voices up on the hillside. Where is he? We must find Wendell. He must be brought to justice. What's in the stand that he was selling stuff from? You see a stack of walnuts, some bits of metal ore. Looks like iron ore. You encounter that every now and again underground. And you see some potatoes or turnips in a basket. Okay, I grab uh, some walnuts and some potatoes. And I stuffed them in my little travel bag. All right. You actually see several small canvas satchels behind the counter of this little shack. Also, next to the old wombat's body is this staff with a little leather strap on it. You've seen these before. Uh, you think your father called it a sling staff. I grab the staff that the old wombat was carrying. I grab a bag and I stuff some turnips and potatoes and walnuts in it and then I say to the lady do you were you looking for a traveling companion at all well I was just talking to him about selling some things but uh oh you can just have them just take whatever you want he's dead now money means nothing to him oh my god are they coming after you and you look behind you and you see about two dozen wombat folks some of them armed with knives some of them with little pitchforks 
uh, and one of them has a torch, and they're all coming quickly down the hill toward you. Oh, how did you find out that he died already? Impressive. Well, uh, I'll leave you to clean up um, his corpse. I'm going to head out. I jump and, and try to get up on the horse. <laughs> she says, hey, little guy, that's my horse. I ignore her and try, <laughs> and try to ride the horse. Give me an athletics check to see if you can at least climb on the horse. Eight. You fail to climb onto the horse, but this young woman puts two and two together that things are going to go south really quick. So she just lifts you up, puts you on the back of the horse, and then jumps on the horse herself and says, let's get out of here. We'll figure this out later. And she takes off on her horse down the road as a bunch of wombat folk emerge from the scrub brush around the shacks, shouting and screaming and... I turn my ass to them as we go past. Oh, the worst insult that a wombat folk can give another wombat folk is to turn the cheek. Yep, it's like flipping them the bird. Oh, they're so pissed off at you right now. Thank you, ma'am. They would have killed me. You've saved my life. She says, my name is Grace. Let's keep going for a while just so we can get away from those guys. Yes, my name is Wendell. Please, with all haste. So you ride for about an hour at a pretty good clip, and you can tell Grace is getting a little tired of going that fast, and the horse is a little sweaty. So she pulls off to a little stream. She says, well, let's get down and at least have something to eat. Sounds good. I'm famished. She says, so what was going on back there, buddy? Oh, um, well, it looks like um, the village folk, who have a very limited view of the world, by the way, um, they may not have uh, been approving of the research I was doing. Oh. Uh, research is also a foreign concept to most wombat folk, unfortunately. Something I'd like to change someday. But um, now my, uh, my research is probably done back at the village. I'm looking for a new place to learn. I need to learn. Aren't you peculiar? I've never met a wombat folk like you before. Uh, um, I really haven't met anyone before. Oh, I imagine not. Usually it's just those old guys in the shacks. Yeah, I've never met them either. I knew my mother, my brother, my father, and um, that was it. Those are the only people I... The only other wombat folk I've ever met. Aw, that's sad. Yes. Yes, it is sad. I've been... I've been sheltered. Wait, you, you said research? Yes, research. Research into how to improve the wombat folk. Ironic that they would want to destroy me and my and what I was doing when I'm only trying to help wombat folk improve their position in the world. Wow, you sound ambitious. We only live for such a short time. We have no time to make any sort of advancement. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It does, doesn't it? You really are something. I'm glad you understand my worldview. <laughs> I, I kind of do. I mean, look, I, I came from a fishing family like all of my ancestors all of my relatives are fisher folk and we fish i just hate it so i decided to you know make my own path in the world too you did what what do you do well for now i'm just like a merchant but you know maybe someday i'll save up enough money and i can you know do what i want to do yes that's very admirable of you say i'm on my way back home if you I don't know, want to keep me company on the trip. It sounds like you can't really go back home. No, I have nowhere to go. This is everything that I've got with me is all I have. My hat, my bag of stuff, and that's it. Wow, that's a really nice hat, by the way. Thank you, my mother made it for me. Aw, she sounds really awesome. She was the best. I tried to bring her with, but it was too difficult. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope, you know, I hope you get to see her again someday. I do too. Someday, I hope to bring her back bring, wait bring her bring her back like bring her back to where you live no bring her back from death oh oh your mother died she died yes quite a while ago oh that's horrible it was horrible she was my birthday she died making breakfast oh that's the problem with wombats they're so weak they can die just making breakfast Everything we do is difficult. Well, look, I, I don't usually travel alone, but my companion decided to ditch me a day ago. Can you believe that? Oh, why? What happened? I don't know. He just decided he wanted to take a side tour somewhere, do something else. I don't know. 
It's kind of a flake. Oh, wow. It sounds like he friend-zoned you. Yeah, I guess, right? Were you interested in, in him? Uh, no, but, uh, like, I don't like to travel alone because sometimes there are, like, bandits and other dangers out here on the road. We're, like, three days away from from Baxter, where I live. Oh, I thought maybe you had you, you had chosen him as a mate. Oh, no. Ew. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, ew. I don't like that either. I'm far too busy. I'm far too busy with my research to worry about mates. Well, you know, I probably shouldn't tell you about this, but uh, I might be able to introduce you to some people who could maybe show you how necromantic magic works. What? Yeah, necromantic magic. It's kind of like the magic about death and life. There's, wait, magic? What's magic? It's the arcane energy that uh, some creatures and some people have. And, oh, you know what? We can check you out right now. I, I have something. She reaches in her backpack and she pulls out a long tube and she opens up the end of this like leather tube and reaches in and pulls out a scroll of paper and she hands it to you. Oh, wow. Um, what does this do? Oh, it's it's called a spell scroll. Have you ever seen one of those? No. Well, you probably can't read it, but why don't you give it a try? Okay. So you unravel the ribbon around the scroll and you open it up and you realize that the words on the page, that you can read them. I, I can read these. I can read this. Oh my God, you can read it? Yes. Oh. As she, like, shows her backpack to you, she goes, I have a tear right here in my backpack. It's a little tiny tear in the cloth. This is a mending spell, a spell scroll. If you read that, you can point it at this, and you can see if you can mend my backpack. Mend? Uh, just mend it? It'll just, it'll just become whole again? Yeah, it'll fix this tear. If you can read it. Oh, wow. Incredible. Fixing bags. Amazing. I read it. So you read the mending uh, spell scroll, and just like that, the little tear mends itself together just like new. Ah, this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Who knew that this existed in the world? Oh, ooh, ooh, do you have more? Do you have more of those scrolls? I have some at home. Uh, this is really cool, Wendell. You know what this means? What? It means you have the gift of the arcane in you. You could, I, I don't know, be a powerful wizard someday. A powerful... Oh, wow. Oh, wow, you mean I won't just be someone who fixes bags? No, there's a whole world of magic out there, and some of the magic could even bring your mother back to life. Oh, my gosh. When we get back to my house, I will introduce you to some people who will take very good care of you, and they will show you how to become a powerful wizard. Yes, yes, introduce me to those people. I want to become a powerful whatever you said. So after three more days of traveling, you get to know Grace a little bit. She tells you a bit more about her family, and what do you tell her? What kind of things do you tell her? I tell her about uh, what I learned with my experiments. I tell her about my dumb brother. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I just tell her about my experiments and what I, what I learned. So after three days of traveling, you finally arrive on the outskirts of a large city. You've never seen such a thing. Tall buildings and wide roads that are pretty smooth to ride on. You see all kinds of different humanoid creatures and you ask Grace all along the way, like, what is that creature? That's an orc or that's a half orc or, oh yeah, those, those are dwarves, uh, those are elves. And she gives you kind of a pretty decent education over the final day of your journey on, you know, the different creatures and the, the different uh, lineages and species that inhabit the world. So your world has become a lot bigger just on this three-day travel with this young woman. As you get into town, uh, you go through the gates of the city and you ride up the narrow streets into what seems to you to be a very fancy part of this big city. And Grace says, now keep your hands on your coin purse. Oh, right, you don't have a coin purse. I guess you don't have to worry. Keep your hands on that staff and those walnuts because uh, there are pickpockets around here. Okay, I will keep a firm grip on my nuts. Good idea. And you make your way up the street uh, to a narrow building which has a set of wooden stairs along the outside edge of it. And uh, Grace ties up her horse 
in front of the building and she feeds him an apple out of her backpack and you make your way upstairs and uh, she unlocks the big padlock on the door and she says, well, we're here. This is my place. Wow. This is amazing. Uh, it's really not much. It's really just one room, Wendell. But it's, it's all made of wood. It's not underground and there's, you can see outside. Yeah? Oh yeah, these are windows, Wendell. Yes, windows. I have so much to learn about. It's outrageous. It's outrageous the limited life I led before this. Yeah, it is kind of silly that you just lived underground and you didn't get to ever, like, read. Have you ever read a book? Like, a real book? I read a note once from my mother. Oh, that really doesn't count, Wendell. How about this? Can you can you read this? And she hands you a big, thick book. Can I read it? You look at the cover of it, and it says, An Ode to Yinagu's Legendary Butthole. <laughs> It looks like a book of poems. Oh, yes, this is amazing. I read through one of uh, the poems. What does it say? It says, Rubies are red, sapphires are blue. Yinagu's butthole makes Yinagu poo. This is this is amazing. I really I really connect with this with this writer's words. She says, "Well, uh yeah, it's really bad, but okay. Um hey, do you want to go meet those friends of mine?" "Yes, yes. I want to meet everyone. Please." "Okay, come with me." She takes you down the stairs, and you don't take the horse, you just walk down the street, and she takes you through a narrow alley or two and winds around in the uh, rougher part of the city. You see a lot of humanoids hanging out in the gutter, and uh, some of them are coughing and wheezing. Uh, a couple of them have a patch over one eye. One of them looks like he's really ill or maybe under the influence of something. You've seen this before when your uh, father Wenceslas would have too many fermented beets. Oh, wow. Wow, there are a lot of people here that seem to have problems. Yeah, well, that's how cities are. People have problems and they come to the city with hopes of saying goodbye to their problems, and often they just make their problems worse. How do they hope to maximize their efficiency in this state? Oh, these people don't maximize efficiency. These people just try to get by. What? What's the point of that? Yeah, right? I mean, you and me, we're different. Yeah, we are different. They're just like the wombats back home. Oh, we're here. And she takes you down a dark staircase, stone stairs that lead down into a stone corridor that leads to a giant oak door with a big brass knocker on it. Oh, wow, this is great. Is this where, where I'll learn all the things I need to learn? She grins at you like, yeah, buddy, it is. Excellent. Let's do it. She raps on the door knocker three times. And the door opens up and you see the biggest human being you've ever seen. Just a tremendously huge, beefy guy. He's not even wearing a shirt. You don't think he's particularly muscular? It's tough to tell under all of that body fat, but his head is bald and he's got stubble on his face, uh, what's left of a beard. He's got a bunch of scars all over his arms and chest. And he's carrying a big hammer made of metal. He says, what are you? Oh, oh, uh, what, what are you doing here, Grace? And Grace says to him, It's so good to see you, Donk. I brought a friend with me. H Hello, Donk. Uh, my name's Wendell. Wendell? Huh. Oh, aren't you adorable? What, what are you, a dog? Uh, no, I'm a wombat folk. Huh, wombat folk. Well, that's something new for me. <laughs> well, you're something new for me. Well, what are you? Uh... I'm a human. A human. Yes, I, I knew that, I guess. I mean, I should have known that. Yeah, I'm human just like Grace. Yes. Well, you just look a lot different than she does. Uh, that's true. I do. It looks like you might even have a pouch. Do you have a pouch? No, but I have a backpack. It's in my room. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's not exactly what I meant by pouch. Oh. Uh. That's fine. Anyway, um, this is all beside the point. Um, where are the books? Grace says, easy now, Wendell. Not so fast. Let's get to know some people first. I want to introduce you to Simlamir. Simlamir runs this place. Simlamir. Simlamir. Another human? Uh, no, Simlamir is an elf. An elf. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's meet Simlamir. Sim Simlamir? Simlamir. It's hard for my small wombat mouth to uh, wrap itself around those words. Donk lets you guys into this large chamber. It's well lit with lanterns and it has these big red velvet comfy chairs 
and it's very toasty warm. There's a fire in the fireplace. This room does not look anything like what you would assume the interior of these buildings would look like from the outside. It's a pretty rough part of town and a lot of the buildings are kind of crumbling and in disrepair, but this particular interior is quite lavish. You get that sense now that you've seen a few things. Donk leads you and Grace down a corridor to a large room in which you see a thin elf standing in front of a stack of books. He's reading a book that's on a pedestal, and behind him, bookshelves with hundreds and hundreds of books. He looks up from his reading, and his eyes gaze upon you all, and he goes, Oh, Grace, it's wonderful to see you again. And Grace says, Simlamir. She runs over and she uh, gives him a big hug. And uh, he says, oh, uh, you brought a friend with you. And she says, yes, Simlamir, I'd like you to meet my traveling companion and potential wizard. His name is Wendell. Hello, Simlamir. I'm Wendell, Wendell the Wombat, but maybe someday Wendell the wizard. Oh, well, isn't that wonderful? Yes, it is wonderful. How did you know? Ha, ha, ha. You're quite charming. Uh, say, uh, would you like to stay here for a bit? I'm sure that Donk and Grace have some things to catch up on. They're, they're old friends. Oh, certainly. I'd love to hang out here. Uh, wow, these books. Amazing. Um, where did you find all these books? How did you come across them? Where does one get books? Well, one gets books from... Uh, friends. Uh, sometimes you can purchase books from a merchant or a marketplace. Uh, some of these books were given to me by people who have uh, joined our community here. I see I run a, sort of a club, I guess you could say. A club? Yes. A book club? Exactly. A book club. A reading and writing club. Yes. Amazing. It's almost... Uh, actually, um, what what's the timeline right now? Like, how long was I doing experiments? Am I almost four? Yeah, I would say you're almost four. Amazing. Did you know it's my birthday tomorrow? Tomorrow is your birthday. How old are you? I'll be turning four. Four years? Wow. That's right. I wonder, do you ever receive books for your birthday? I have in the past, but you know what? I have something special for you right now that I'd like to show you as a special birthday gift. Y oh, yes, please. A birthday gift already. <laughs> he brings up this uh, oak box from underneath a cabinet, and he sets it on the pedestal in front of you, and he opens it up and inside of it you see all kinds of little odds and ends and trinkets and things of that nature. He, he pulls out a little vial and he sets it on the table and he pulls out some dried rose petals and he sets those on the table and then he pulls out uh, what appears to be a cricket, a live cricket and he sets it down there and the cricket just kind of sits there. He says, okay, are you ready for your present? Yes, yes, I'm so ready. He takes these things in his hands. He dumps out from the vial a very fine pinch of sand. And then the rose petals go on top of that. And he places the cricket on the rose petals. And he waves his hands around. And he says some words. And you kind of pick up on that this. That he's saying something arcane. You remember seeing some of those words in the spell scroll that you read. It doesn't make a lot of sense to you, but you know that he's doing something cool. You don't know if he's going to mend something or maybe make your hat cooler or something. Oh, what is happening? Is this, is this going to be magic? It is going to be magic. How many hit points does Wendell have? Eight. Wendell falls unconscious. Oh. And then, at a later point, you wake up. Huh? What happened? You look around and you're in a small stone cell. Hello? Your legs are both chained with shackles to a small bed. There's a torch on the wall outside of the cell and an iron gate keeping you in. There's a small desk and a chair, a stack of parchment paper, an inkwell and a quill, and a series of small bottles of different colored inks next to the parchment and the quill. What do you do? I examine the bottles. You look at the bottles. Give me an investigation check. Seven. You're not very familiar with 
ink, although you know what it is, you've seen it before, but these inks don't look like any inks you've seen before. You've only seen black ink, and these look like green and yellow and red, and they sparkle as if there are gemstones inside of this ink. But you're unsure what they're for. This must be part of the learning magic process. Strange. How am I to learn magic while chained to a bed? Oh well, nothing to be done. He grabs the uh, quill and starts dipping it in... What are the different colors? There's red and green, blue, yellow, violet. There's ten different colors. We'll start with violet. And what do you start writing, or what do you do? Do I know how to write? Yes. Okay. Um, I'll just write... I'll just write the word magic. (laughs) You start writing the word magic. Do you use different colored inks, uh, different variations of the word magic, or how do you do that? No, I'm going to write uh, each letter in a different color. Excellent. So after a few moments, you hear something out in the corridor. Footsteps coming your way. Hello? Hello, it's me, Wendell. I've created a spell. Just then you see, through the gates of your cell door... Simlamir, and he's carrying a tray that's got a bowl and a pitcher on it, and he says, Oh, you're awake, Wendell. You've created a spell? Yes. A a scroll. A spell scroll. Look. See? Oh. Oh. That's funny. Um, (laughs) you haven't, Wendell. But you will create spell scrolls, Wendell. Yes, yes. Teach me. How, how, How will I learn? Well, you'll learn because I will teach you. And you will do it as long as I tell you to do it. Do you understand? Oh, okay. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know. Sounds like the learning process can... I mean, I didn't expect it to be easy. Unfortunately, Wendell, (laughs) I'm only going to teach you the spells I want you to know. And you are going to make spell scrolls with those spells on them. Oh, okay. Um, why am I chained to the bed? You're chained to the bed so that you won't leave. So that you can't leave, Wendell. Well, I wasn't going to leave. I just want to learn how to do this anyway. What? This this seems unnecessary. Oh, well, it may be necessary at some point. You never know when the magic might make you crazy. Magic can make you crazy? (laughs) Yes, Wendell, it can make you crazy. Ugh. He unlocks a small door within the door, and he slides the tray in on the floor. He says, there you'll find some food, which I believe is adequate for your people. Uh, Some sweet potatoes, some yams, and some apple wedges, and a pitcher of fresh, clean water. I will be back tomorrow to teach you your first spell. Oh, good. Can you bring my hat with you, please? I can't do magic without my hat. I'll tell you what. If you do a good job over the next few days, I will let you have your hat back. Oh, yes. Excellent. Great. I can't wait to get started. So over the next few days, this elf, Simlamir, comes down and teaches you three cantrips. He teaches you chill touch, he teaches you shocking grasp, and he teaches you mage hand. So when he teaches you these spells, he teaches you one at a time, and he teaches you how to write them onto a scroll, and he explains what they do. That Chill Touch is a necromantic spell that is uh, typically to uh, cause damage to another creature. He teaches you Shocking Grasp. Again, it's a spell that you can touch another creature and cause damage to them. And Mage Hand is a more of a utility uh, type spell in which you can create a uh, spectral floating hand that can do things for you. Oh, these are fantastic. I love learning these. Do all Does all magic involve my hands? <laughs> no, Wendell, but it is an interesting coincidence between those three spells. Simlamir continues to explain how imbuing magic into spells works. Sometimes you need to move your hands with a specific gesture. Other times you need to utter an arcane phrase. And sometimes you need a physical material component like a pinch of sand or an insect. The spells you're putting on scrolls do not require material components as of yet, but I'll make sure you have what you need when the time comes. Over the next couple of days, you create more and more spell scrolls. You can create one per day, and they bring you fresh ink, they bring you food, and eventually Simlamir does bring you your hat. Um, I also begin saving my poop cubes. Hide them under the bed, or is there anywhere in this cell that appears to be 
dirt or is it just all stone? It's all stone. If I look around, is there anything in the cell that suggests there's like a, you know, weakness in the stone or any sort of like, you know? Give me an investigation check. 23. 23. Marvelous. As you're looking around in the cell, underneath the bed, on the stone floor, you find some words etched. They say, get out of here as fast as you can. Oh my. Now you've come to know the routine day in and day out over the course of weeks. Simlamir comes down the stairs. He brings you inks. He brings you food. He brings you water. He tells you what the scroll is of the day that you're supposed to be working on. And then he leaves you alone all day. Occasionally, Donk will come down the stairs and sometimes you will hear someone else's voice from down far at the end of the hall. One day, Donk comes downstairs and you hear what it sounds like a struggle, a fight at the end of the hall. And then Donk comes back and he's covered in blood. His metal war hammer is bloody. Donk! Donk! What's happening? Uh, one of our other guests got a little disagreeable. Oh my. What, what, where did all that blood come from? <laughs> it came from them, Wendell. Don't you ever get disagreeable, or I'll crush your skull too. I'm the most agreeable wombat folk you'll find, I think, Donk. Good, good, let's keep it that way. Donk, we're friends, right? Yeah, yeah, we're friends, Wendell. You just keep writing them scrolls, okay? It's a lot of money coming in from them scrolls. Yes, yes, Donk. So more days pass and pass and pass. You have quite quite an assortment of poop cubes saved up. Yes, of a massive load. Um, <laughs> so do I feel like I've learned pretty much as much as I'm going to learn in this situation? Yes. Okay, and uh, the thing that they slide the food through, how big is that? It's about eight inches high and a foot wide. I'm probably about twice as tall as that. Yeah. You're too big to fit through it. Okay, if I look around though... Do I see anywhere in the, uh, in my cell that, you know, like, can I examine for any weak spots? Give me another investigation check. 24. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so with nothing but time on your hands, you scour every square inch of the walls, the floors, the furniture, and you find in the hollowed out leg of this desk, what looks like a bone that has been carved in the shape of a key. Oh, shit. Or at least in the shape of a lockpick. You're not sure. Maybe it's a key, maybe it's a lockpick. Ah, my salvation, right here. Uh, Whoever was in this cell before, I thank you. Because you've grown very aware of the routine in this place, you know that at night, they don't bother you at all. They don't come down here until about an hour after sunup, and they leave you alone from dinner onward to sunup. Okay, um, so after dinner, I begin stacking my poop cubes to the ceiling along all the bars. Okay. I'm just trying to basically like seal off the cells so they can't tell if I'm in here. <laughs> then I try the lock. All right, give me a dexterity check. Seven. All right, it doesn't seem to want to turn the lock on the first try. I'll let you try again, but uh, this time it's going to be a little trickier as this bone lockpick thing seems to be weakening after trying it once. Mm. Is there anything else in my cell that I could... Wait, I have an idea. I stick the carved bone into one of my poop cubes and uh, leave an imprint. You are able to do that. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Is there anything in the cell that is even remotely like solid. You do have a series of candles that sit upon the desk that you work on. Okay. You have the quill uh, pen. Right. Uh, There are the little glass jars. Those are solid. The uh, wooden table legs, the chair, the chair legs, the bed frame. Maybe there's nails in the bed. Uh, Have I determined anything about this ink that I'm using? You have. You've learned that these are magical inks. And in order to write spells in a spell book or on a spell scroll, you have to have magical ink. You don't know what they cost, but uh, you know that you go through about a bottle of this ink for each spell scroll. And it takes you all day to write out all of the things on a spell scroll. And once you get that done, then you hand off the spell scroll. You still know all of these cantrips, though. 
So the bottles of ink don't have any other properties other than just being able to write with them. You feel like maybe they're infused with magic or maybe the gemstone powder that's in them makes them special? So yeah, I'm going to use the key to make that imprint on the poop cube. Um, in fact, I'll do it on a couple just to have extras. Okay. And then I try the key one more time. All right, go ahead and roll your dexterity check. So it's just flat out dexterity. You rolled a one. I sure did. Yeah, the chicken bone lock pick slash key breaks off in the lock. Oops, damn it. All right, well, time for my backup plan, I guess. I remove all the uh, poop cubes from the cell that I was going to stack there because now my plan has been delayed slightly. And I look at the bed and look for like a piece of metal or maybe a nail or something that could potentially be fashioned into this shape that I've put in the poop cubes. Ah, sure. You do find the bed has nails holding it all together. Perfect. I'll try to fashion those into a key or two over the course of however long it takes. Okay. You have plenty of time, and over the course of several days and several nails, you finally are able to use nails to whittle nails down into a shape that resembles the imprint on the poop cube. Give me another dexterity check. Are you trying again? I, I assume you're trying again some night. Yes. Yes, Okay. certainly. Natural 20. Nailed it, literally. Nailed it! Ah! Yes, you unlock the cell door. And for the first time, that door is open. You don't know how much of your life has been wasted locked in here making spell scrolls for these fools. Months, probably. Okay, so I've uh, prepared for this moment. I've made, I've created a bunch of spell scrolls for myself. Oh. And I grabbed, I also take the ink and the quill and everything. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So each day they bring you the stuff that you need to make a spell scroll. And each day you spend all day making one spell scroll. You don't have days off. Every day you're making a spell scroll. Ah, uh, yes. So how do you pull that off? So I would, uh, over the course of, you know, a couple of nights, I would have to work in through the night. Okay. Yeah, you can totally do that. You can take your spare time and make a spell scroll. How many spell scrolls do you think you have? Well, um... And which ones? I'm just making the, the cantrips, right? That's right. So what do you think is realistic here? I would say that you would probably be able to, over the course of weeks, working an hour or two at a time, probably be able to make eight different spell scrolls. Okay. Three chill touch, three shock and grasp, and two mage hand. Excellent. I'm going to take the ink, whatever ink I've, uh, I've got left over from the previous day. I'll take that and scrolls if there are any. You've got a stack of 10 sheets of parchment and eight bottles of spell ink and you've got this quill quill and how many papers 10 sheets of parchment all right so your door is open what do you do all right i finished stacking up all the poop cubes uh behind the door so that the entire cell is unseeable okay give me a stealth check now three now stacking up poop cubes is something you can do quickly or quietly but you can't do both and as you were stacking up all of the poop cubes your thick butt bumps into the desk and knocks over the table and the chair as you're trying to squeeze through to get out to finish your poop cube wall. And the clattering noise is very, very loud. What do you do? Um, what do I know about the way that we came in as opposed to like what's further down? You don't know a lot about this space. You were unconscious when you came in here, but over the course of months, you've gathered a few things. First of all, imagine a long corridor. At one end of the corridor is a set of stone stairs that go up into presumably the main area of this building. And then continuing on the other end of the corridor, other cells. I trust my nose. What does my nose tell me? Well, you smell fresh air in the direction of those stairs. All right, head towards the stairs slowly and quietly. And I look for some place I could sort of duck down or hide if someone if I did hear someone start coming. Got it. The unfortunate thing about this corridor is that there is no place to seek cover. Uh, there's really no shadows because there's a torch on the wall. There's no features other than the stone around the walls and the floors and the ceiling and the stairs. Give me a stealth check. 12. It's not difficult for you to creep up the stairs quietly. And as you get closer to the top of the stairs, give me a perception check. 
15. You hear heavy footsteps off in the distance. You recognize them as those belonging to Donk. Okay, um, where can I go at the top of the stairs here? There is a wooden door that is right in front of you. Can I tell how close he is? In a few seconds, he's going to open that door. Okay, the door, when it opens, does it slam against the side, or is there potentially room for me to sort of hang out there? Like, in a way so that when he opens it, I won't get crushed. So the door opens outward, not inward toward you, but outward. Oh, that won't work then. Where's there a torch? Down at the bottom of the stairs. Now, real quick, as you're kind of formulating a plan, you realize there are a few things that you can do as a wombat folk. Uh, You've got claws, you've got your teeth, and you've got your thick, juicy booty. And one of the things that your mama taught you was how to crush opponents' skulls if they come chasing you into a tunnel. These walls are made of stone. If you can hit Donk against these walls, you might do some heavy damage. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna go about halfway down the stairs. Okay. Can I grab the torch and and just like chuck it down to the end of the... You could do that, but then you'll be at the bottom of the stairs when Donk comes in the top of the stairs. Perfect, that's fine. Okay, so now you're lightly obscured in these shadows as you throw the torch down to the end of the hall and you see the figure, this looming huge scary figure of Donk as he opens the door to this uh, corridor and stairs, and he yells down, What the hell's going on down there? Nothing. Silence. He kind of readies his war hammer, and he starts stomping down the stairs. Wendell, I told you, not be disagreeable. Is he wearing um, armor of some sort? He is not. He's just wearing pants. He's shirtless. Okay, I'm going to... Give you a stealth check. Yes, you are. 14. You don't think he sees you. Is there any way for me to go up the stairs a little bit or not? What is your intention right now? My intention is to try to go a little ways up the stairs, enough that I could butt attack him and knock him down the stairs. Okay. Well, you can't get on the other side of him, but you could certainly try to slam him against the wall and hopefully he'd fall down the stairs. My goal is basically to be, you know, like a a hidden... Lego on the steps. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, okay, cool. So let's roll initiative. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. As you are running up the stairs with the hopes to kind of trip him and make him fall down the stairs. He sees you and you see him at the same time. What do you do? I'm going to try to butt attack his legs. All right. And he is going to try to swing his warhammer at you. So go ahead and roll your attack. 17. Just as the hammer whizzes over your head, brushing the hairs on your ears. You swing your thick, fat, juicy ass at him and his legs. His legs are his weak point, by the way. Very thin and not very muscular. And you slam into his legs. 1d6 plus 1, so it would actually be 7. He fails his strength check to not be knocked down the stairs. And as he falls down the stairs... Yes. He takes nine points of damage, and he's laying at the bottom of the stairs. You know he's, you know he's injured. What do you do? Does it look like he has anything that could be useful for me? He has a warhammer. That's it, and he's still holding it. I don't want that. I'm getting the hell out of here. All right. You take off running up the stairs into a room that you've not been in before. It's just a long corridor, well lit with magical lanterns, fancy-looking paintings on the wall. Then you see at the end of the corridor. A large red door. It's not the type of door where I'm like, oh, this goes outside. It's more the type of door where it's like, there's something cool behind here. Possibly. Um, does the red door have a lock on it? Does it look like something I could probably open? You'd have to run down there and check it. I'm gonna check it. All right, you run down, you check the door. The door handle moves. It is not locked. I'm going in. And then I'm gonna shut the door behind me so nobody knows I came in. All right, you open up the door. You quietly turn, you close it. Give me a stealth check. Three. As you close the door, you hear... A ting, 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 and then an alarm of some kind so loud goes off in the room. As you turn and you look around, you realize this is the room, the library room that you were in in the first place, but there's nobody in it for now. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to do a quick uh, check around to see if there's any of the knowledge that I need so badly. The only thing that immediately appears to you is this pedestal, and on the pedestal is a book. And in that area, remember he had that that oak box that he brought up that had things in it? He was reading out of the book that is on that pedestal. Grabbed. All right, you grab that book and you run. 
You grab the box too? Is it convenient? It's right there. Yeah, I'm gonna grab both. You grab what you will find to be a spell book and a box of spell components and you bust wombat ass out that door into the street. (laughs) It's the middle of the night. It's pitch black out in the streets and it's relatively quiet, but you can hear that sound of the alarm going off as people and perhaps some authorities might be taking notice of this now as this alarm is going off from this building. Okay, the uh, book and the box are going in my hat and I'm going to grasp my hat like it's, you know, maybe a bag or something, nothing special. Patchwork sort of, you know, sloppy bag that nobody would give a second glance to. Perfect. You grab that and you, what do you do? You take off running? Where? I'm not going to run because that's going to be too obvious. I'm going to start strolling casually. I'm going to use my nose again. What do I smell? One of the first things you smell is seawater. I'm going to go towards the water. All right. You wander throughout the city, weaving in and out of alleys and down corridors and You encounter people who give you a weird look. They've never seen a wombat folk before, after all, and it is the middle of the night, and some of them look like, oh, maybe they want to see what you got there in your little bag. You realize you better get out of here before something else bad happens to you, so you run a little quicker around the final corner of the final building before you get to the docks, and you run smack dab into the legs of a creature. You fall down on your butt, you look up, you realize they're just as surprised to see you, and you have never seen anything like this creature. And that is the end of The Valley of Green Gold, Episode 2, Wendell the Wombat, Part 2. New episodes of the Rated RPG Podcast come out on Mondays, and we hope you can join us on Tuesday evening, January 31st, for our very first Rated RPG livestream of 2023. Emery is going to be our game master. He's going to be running us in an adventure. We are going to create our characters live on stream on Tuesday, January 31st, 7 p.m. Central Time is our start, and you can find the link to that live stream at RatedRPGPodcast.com. Thank you to our amazing Patreon supporters and friends, Nick from Five Entertainment, Mick and Addy, and Sean Henry. Huzzah to members of the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade, H.D. Burke, John W. Mangrum, and Random.Guy. Many thanks to Dukes Turtle and Crow, as well as Lord Deputy Chris Fail for your support. We'll have some roles coming up in future episodes from the table of potentially decent random stuff. That table is at our website, by the way, ratedrpgpodcast.com, under our blog. You can check that out there. It is with great sadness that we pour what's left of our friend Igor Vakich into our bucket of friends. We'll see about getting you resurrected, Igor. We promise. On behalf of everyone around Ye Old Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying Rated RPG, The Valley of Green Gold. <laughs>